I want to share with you this morning something I'm simply calling Don't Live the Devil's Lies. Don't Live the Devil's Lies. There was a lady who had a parrot that she loved. And um, one day it became very, very poorly. So she took it to the vets and went in, laid it on the um, couch or whatever the vet has, the table, because it was pretty lifeless. The vet got out of his stethoscope and he listened and he said, sorry, your parrot's dead. So she said, what do you mean it's dead? You might be in a coma. Surely there's another test, you know, just to see your stethoscope is not enough. He, he could be, you know, something else gone wrong with him. Just so the vet shot his shoulder and looked out. Came back with his beautiful Labrador. Labrador got up on his top paws onto the table and looked at the parrot, shook his head, looked at the vet, and the vet took him out. And then the vet came back in with a cat. He put the cat on the table. The cat snipped the parrot from head to, to tail, shook its head, and the vet went out. Vet came back in, went to the supervision and they a bill for 110 pounds. What, she said? Why? Well, she said, but if you had accepted it when I said it at the first point, it would have only been 10 pounds. But because I had to produce a lab report and a CAT scan, that's why it's 110 It's good, isn't it? We live in a time when knowing the truth and speaking the truth is a constant battle because very often we are surrounded by deception. In Russia, they have uh, a newspaper called Pravda, which is the official newspaper of the Russian Communist Party. Ironically, Pravda means truth. And yet, we know how it suppresses the truth and disseminates communist propaganda. The term fake news became particularly popular during the time when Donald Trump was president of the USA. And according to the Washington Post, popular American newspaper, in the first year of Trump's presidency, he made 2,140 false or misleading claims. That averaged just under six false claims every day in the first year of his office. The big issue today in UK politics is integrity. Our government has been rocked by dishonesty and deceit. And as a result, our prime minister has resigned and we're in a process of uh, a new prime minister being appointed. But this former secretary of state for health and social care, Sajid Javid, in his resignation letter just a couple of weeks ago, he said this, the British people rightly expect integrity from their government. So it's very aware, very clear to all of us that we live in a world that is constantly deceived and the truth is frequently disguised. Why? Well, Paul gives us a bit of a hint when he says, put on 
all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. How many of you believe that? Not many of you. Whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, we live in a world where spiritual warfare never, ever stops. And if the devil is something you a difficult time at the moment, then you might need to look at how close your Christian life marries up to living the Jesus kind of life. Because Satan will constantly be attacking us, Satan will constantly be at us, because that is the world in which we live. And it's a battle between truth and lies that constantly rages. So I want us just to look a little while this morning a bit about the devil. Not normally preach on the devil. But it's good for us to understand this great enemy that is out to destroy the whole world. And just to learn some things this morning. First of all, let's think about the devil's nature. At the beginning of creation, Satan introduced was introduced with these words in Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty or supple than any of the living creatures that the Lord God had made. And Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Here, Satan, right at the beginning of creation, was sowing deception into the heart and mind of Eve. Now, Paul commented, comments on that moment of history in 1 Timothy 2, and he says, God made Adam first, and afterwards he made Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. Satan's nature is always to deceive. In life groups this week, you're going to be unpacking and discussing this a little bit more, so come prepared. It's always been his ploy because it works. In Revelation 12, Satan is described like this. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the world. Jesus had first-hand experience of Satan's deception. When he was driven into the wilderness right at the start of his ministry, he had fasted for 40 days. And when he was hungry, Satan comes to him. He tempts him. He says, turn stones into bread. You can do that. He then tempts him to say, well, commit suicide. Jump off. The angels surely will be around to catch you. Well, why don't you bow down and worship me? Because if you worship me, then well, you can have the whole world. And Satan came and Jesus knew the deceptive nature of Satan. And Jesus, in speaking to the Pharisees about the devil, said this. And Alan read it so well to us this morning. You are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. 
because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Whatever the devil says to you, the Lord is a liar. He hates the truth and he cannot speak the truth. Now, because God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the epitome of truth, Satan will do everything in his power to keep you and me from knowing the truth. That's his quest. So he will use propaganda. He will use deceit. He will use every tactic that he possibly can to undermine that which is good, that which is right, that which is pleasing to God. And the way that Satan will to do that is by tempting us to move away from those things that are pleasing to God. The Russian, former Russian chess world champion, uh, Gary Kasparov, he said this, he was, a, he was an, a democracy advocate and he now lives in exile, but he said this, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust critical thinking to annihilate truth. The battle against truth constantly rages because that is what Satan is out to do to deceive each and every one of us. Now, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he frequently warned about deception. Let me put a few things up here. He says in 1 Corinthians, do not be deceived. He says in Colossians, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine arguments. He says in 2 Timothy, Evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He said also in Titus, at one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. There are almost 40 warnings in the New Testament about deception, especially in the areas of sexual immorality and false teaching. This is the devil's most powerful weapon that he uses. So let's just move on and think about the devil's behavior. The scripture says in 1 Peter, watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And there's nobody more tasted than a God-fearing Christian. That word devour is from two Greek words, kata meaning down and pina meaning to drink. It literally means to swallow. The same Greek word is used of Jesus when he won the victory on the cross, where the Bible says death is swallowed up in victory. But this is Satan's ploy. He wants to swallow us or consume us by poisoning our minds. It's the most powerful influence upon us. Do you know the most powerful influence on your mind is the media and advertising? Why? Because its quest is to influence your beliefs and your choices. And Satan wants to consume our thoughts with his lies and so influence our choices and behavior. And he does this particularly by negative thinking. Now, let me mention a few things. Maybe it sounds familiar. This is what Satan does. I'm not sure I can trust my husband. He might cheat on me just like my dad cheated on my mum. 
Or, because my parents' marriage failed, my marriage is also likely to end in divorce. Or, I'll never make a success of my life because my parents said I was a failure at school. Or, I don't have many friends, so I guess I am an unlovable person. Or what about this? The best days of my life are over and I have nothing to look forward to anymore. Or because my parents didn't plan me, I must be an unwanted person. Or alcohol will drown my sorrows. Now, you're familiar with those statements. Where do they come from? Satan would attack us to cause us to think negatively about ourselves. Do you know God never thinks negatively about me whatsoever? He loves you with all his heart. He always has. He's proud of you. He's delighted in you. He takes joy in you. He believed that you were worth dying so to say, Jesus died for you. But Satan will fill your mind with negative thoughts about yourself because he wants to destroy you. In a speech that Winston Churchill made at Harvard University in 1943, and it was called the gift of the common tongue, he said this, the empires of the future are the empires of the mind. And he was speaking with the backdrop of world war, but he prophetically saw that the war of ideas would not be won over bombs or by bombs, but it would be the background for the mind. Now, Paul shows us how to counter mind-bending deceit. Look at some of these words that the Apostle Paul puts up. He said, let your sinful nature, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. He says also, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And he also says in Philippians, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy and worthy of praise. The devil wants to attack our minds. And the simplest way to counter the devil's deceit is to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You know the old wristband, WWJD? In every situation, when the enemy comes to attack you and tempt you and try and deceive you, think, Jesus, what would you do? How would you behave in this situation? How would you respond? And you will instantly get the answer. Let's look at the positive now. Look at the devil's nature and the way he behaves, but what about the reality that is ours in Christ. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That was read to us also this morning. Truth liberates. Dishonesty ensnares. Jesus said, didn't he, I am the way, the truth and the life. That was his declaration. But what did Jesus mean by truth? Well, truth comes from a very old English word, troth. In a couple of weeks' time, Andy and Leah are going to be getting married. They probably won't use this, but one of the 
old-fashioned uh, statements in the marriage ceremony at the end of saying your vows will be this, and here too I plight thee my troth. I said that to Janice. I hadn't a clue what it meant, but I, I said it and I, I believe what it meant. Here too I plight thee my troth. Doesn't it sound wonderful? I hope you're going to say that one. It's just got a richness about it, even though you don't understand it. It basically means I'm telling you the truth and you can trust me. That's what trope is all about. So when a couple say those vows to one another, they're basically saying at the end of it, I'm here so I've lied in my truth, I've told you the truth, and you can trust me. That's why getting married in church is really important. Because we marry in the presence of God. Truth is literally reality. Lies are unreality. Okay, so if you say, I can fly, and you stand on top of a 10-story building to jump off, a few seconds later, reality will hit you. You will discover that well, I can fly is actually a Truth is about reality. And when Jesus said, I am truth, he was literally saying, I am the reality about God. He said to the disciples on one occasion, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Because he is God in the flesh. Everything that God is, we see in Jesus. That's how we know what our Father is like, because it's demonstrated clearly in the life of the person of Jesus. I am the truth. I am the reality of God, the Father. Reality tells us that Everything about Satan is opposite to everything that Jesus is. Satan comes to rob. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. He comes to diminish your life by taking it from you. But Jesus is the truth. He says, I come to give life and give it more abundantly. I want to add to your life and ultimately add eternal life. And Jesus came to give fullness. This is our reality in Christ. This is our truth in Jesus. And when Jesus was being tried by Pilate before he went to the cross, he said to Pilate, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate didn't love the truth because he replied and said, well, what is truth? But he walked away and didn't give Jesus the opportunity to answer. You see, Satan knows the truth about Jesus. He does. And he wants to counter that truth with every single lie he can think of. James said this in James 2, 19. You say you have faith, but you believe that there is a God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Satan knows the truth, but his quest, his mission is to undermine all of God's truth and to deceive us in every possible way that he can. When you know the truth about Jesus, you have security and certainty in life because the Bible says God's truth is like a foundation stone and grace and truth pain comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Okay, let me end this morning by one 
additional point. What is our victory in Christ? If you turn with me to Romans 8, great passage. Paul says in Romans 8, 38, 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Although we live in a world that's filled with deceit, dishonesty, untruth, lies and falsehood, we can live in victory because of Jesus. We don't have to live the devil's lies. We don't have to live the deceived life because knowing Jesus is knowing what is the truth. And I want just to turn you to Ephesians chapter six because how can we be assured of living in victory on a daily basis? And Ephesians chapter six, just Paul in verse 10 says this. It's a final word. He says, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And we had this at the beginning of my message. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to stand and resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. The shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on all, every occasion. Stay alert, be consistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Right. How we can be assured of victory, there's five things here that we're going to end with. First of all, we can be assured of victory by protecting ourselves. This armor is to be used. Okay. Paul says, put on all of God's armor. Not just a bit of it, all of it. That, that list tells us the things that we need to put on. Just as every single one of us went into the wardrobe this morning and decided what clothes we were going to put on. So in a spiritual sense, Paul says you need to arm yourself every day because the enemy will never say, I'm going to leave him or her alone. His agenda is always to attack us. And we need to be praying for our government, by the way. Because governments get deceived. Governments get lied to. Governments tell lies. We need to pray for the righteousness of God to pour into the seat of government and particularly for Christian MPs to stand up and speak truth and to be truth. But we need personally to live in victory to put on all of God's armour. But then also we need to position ourselves because he says stand firm but look at the context. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. If there are lies, 
and dishonestly going on in your place of work, you need to stand and encounter it. Not walk away and keep your mouth shut. If something is wrong, you need to call it out. We in recent years have had people who have had the courage to be what is called whistleblowers. When they've seen and known something is wrong, many others have turned the blind eye and walked away, but certain people have called it out, whether it's in the police force, whether it's in local government or whatever. You and I need to be people like that. We know the truth. The belt is an important part of weaponry because it holds everything together. You hang your sword on your belt, all sorts of other bits and pieces. It is important. And the belt of God's truth, which is the Bible, the word of God, is something that we need to hold to, live by, and stand up for. We're not called to be wimps. We're called to be people who make a difference in our world by standing for what is true and righteous. And we need to confront the enemy. That's why we've been given this armor, because all of it, apart from one, is to protect. The sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon. The rest of it is to protect us against the wiles of the enemy. So if stuff is going on in your workplace that is untruthful and dishonest, you need to stand your ground. Because you can bring God's presence into that place and make a massive difference in your community as well. We need to position ourselves. But also, we need to engage in the practice of prayer. Pray in the Spirit. We have 15 of us here on Tuesday night. Great time of prayer. Why weren't you all here? Prayer was hard work. A lot of people can afford it. And in most churches, it's the church. But I'm going to tell you, the world in which we live, we need to pray our something so that we can be strong Amen. in the battle that constantly comes. There's an old saying that used to say seven prayers, seven minutes, one week, W-E-A-K. I believe there's truth in it. Yeah. You need to pray about your job every single day. Pray as you go to work. God, will you help me to be strong today? Will you help me to shine in the darkness? Uh, we need to be people who are constantly praying. This is a practice. Pray in the spirit, says Paul, in the battle that we're in. But also, he says, be prepared. Stay alert. I remember a number of years ago, listening to a pastor from Cairo, in Egypt, Sanjay knows him, he's been to his church, great man of God, and, and just talking about the amazing things that God was doing there, out in that world where Islam is dominant, yet so many people coming to Jesus, every single Sunday they would broadcast their service in some 50,000 But he said, do you know what the problem is with the church of the UK? It's like a sleeping giant. And I've heard other pastors from different parts of the world use that analogy. The church used to be vibrant and strong and amazing in this country, but they look at us and say, you're like a sleeping giant. Because they are seeing the presence and the power of God manifested in incredible ways throughout their nations in different parts of the world. And they look at the UK that used to be so powerfully Christian and has sent missionaries into all the places in the world. And they look at us now and say, gosh, you're like a giant that's asleep. You've got to be awake. You've got to be alert. Remember Jesus told the story of those ten bridesmaids? 
Five went to sleep and five were alert and ready before the bridegroom came. Oh, it's easy to nod off. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be alert. We've got to be with it. We've got to be aware of all that the enemy is trying to do in our day and age so that we don't get caught out. And one final thing that Paul brings out here is persistence. Be persistent. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep pressing in. Keep believing for miracles. Keep believing for healing. Keep believing for an outpouring of spirit. Keep believing for revival. Keep believing that God will answer your prayers even though you've prayed them a thousand times. Keep believing for your children to come to Jesus. Keep crying unto God. Be persistent. We often give up too easily. But our victory is found in this kind of behavior, in taking on this amazing armor and standing for the truth of God's word. We've been placed in the world to make a difference, as we so often say, to be salt and light. A grain of salt or a single candle can make a world of difference in sin and in darkness. In Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10, it says, don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping a wonderful harvest that you've planted is coming. I believe there's a harvest coming to this nation. I believe that God is going to pour out his spirit upon our land again. And he's going to do it through the likes of you and me. Really is. And so Paul says, take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing. Or as I would say, to stand for the truth, especially for your brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Can you stand with me? Thank you for listening so well. just want to pray and then perhaps the music team will come back and I'll hand back to Sanjay. Father, we are only too aware that we are in a battle. Some days, Lord, it's incredibly hard. We thank you that we don't fight this battle alone. We thank you, Jesus, you said, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you said that you are with us. And if God is for us, then nobody and nothing can be against us. And I just pray today, Lord, that we will each be strengthened and empowered by your spirit to stand for truth and righteousness, to expose the lies and the strategies of the enemy, and to see the presence and the power of God flowing in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.